At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Hello, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a practicing preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute at Baptist Health South Florida, as well as Chief Populational Health Officer at Baptist Health. Back in May, we brought you an episode focusing on COVID-19 in children and adolescents, where we talked about how the virus affected children differently from adults. Five months later, we've learned a great deal more, and it's important information that all parents need to know. I brought back Dr. Fernando Mendoza, Medical Director of Baptist Children's Emergency Center and Chief of Pediatrics at Baptist Hospital, and we'll discuss some recent research findings that have physicians very concerned. Welcome to the podcast, Fernando. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So um, following up in what the original conversations was, let's talk about, uh, again, COVID, what we've learned even further regarding the symptoms of COVID in children and adolescents. And then I want to talk a little bit about at the beginning about this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, uh, which is this hyperacute um, uh, and dangerous situation, which again, made some press. So first, going back again, five months later from our last uh, discussion, what are the symptoms we're seeing in children and adolescents with COVID or, or lack thereof? Well, probably one of the most significant symptoms in kids is no symptoms. You know, we're seeing a lot of asymptomatic uh, conditions where, where kids are coming up positive. Um, and, 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 you know, even when they've just been tested for screening results or very mild symptoms. It's still, still kind of uh, proven that uh, in the beginning was kind of still, still going on where Kids who are older get a little more symptomatic, but really young kids may be very mildly symptomatic with the same kind of symptoms that adults would get with, uh, you know, upper respiratory symptoms, maybe sore throat, maybe headache, maybe, and most commonly, uh, nothing. And as they get older into, into their teens and early adulthood, uh, the symptoms become more pronounced, certainly not as pronounced as, as adults or even older adults, but certainly uh, much milder than the adult population. So I do want to get to some of the dangers in kids because we don't want to portray this as a completely benign uh, concern in young kids. But can you tell us a little bit what we've learned more about this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children? Yeah, for sure. And, and I'll go back to COVID. COVID itself, you know, has had, there have been fatalities because of COVID in the U.S. And there are certain uh, high-risk populations um, with the, uh, the acute COVID presentation, especially asthmatics, obese kids, kids who have chronic medical conditions like uh, cerebral palsy or immune suppressed uh, systems like cancer kids. Those are the ones that are really having a hard time and they're getting really, really sick and in, admitted to the intensive care unit and have the same spectrum of disease um, with, uh, with the acute COVID illness. Uh, so the pneumonias and the respiratory failures. MISC or multi-system inflammatory uh, syndrome in children is exactly that. It's an inflammatory syndrome in found in kids, and it doesn't happen with acute uh, COVID or not with an infection that's active. It happens anywhere from four to eight weeks after exposure or uh, to COVID or actually having evidence of COVID. Uh, so really the definition has been shifting a little bit, but uh, MISC is defined uh, specifically by the CDC as anybody who's less than 21 years of age, so you know, including adolescents who has fever, they have to have some laboratory evidence of inflammation. Oh, which you have to be tested by a physician or in an ER setting where you get evidence of inflammation in your body. Uh, uh, evidence of a clinically severe illness requiring hospitalization. These kids get sick and they have two or more organs uh, that show um, you know, some sort of dysfunction, cardiac, 
your, your kidneys, your lungs, your blood, your GI symptoms, your skin. So there, this really, the, phenom- the interesting thing here is that most of the kids who get really sick with acute COVID have underlying conditions. Over 75% of the kids who get MISC are perfectly healthy with no medical con- underlying medical condition. So that's, that's actually a great point, and I'm glad you brought that up. So you first started by talking about appropriately the kind of medical disorders that kids may have, which may afford them a, a, a more significant COVID course. They'll get to get sicker than kids who don't have things like asthma and some of the things you mentioned. But that does not correlate with the MISC, right? That's what not you just said, right? Well, actually, it's the, it's the perfectly healthy kids are becoming affected with MISC. You know, the, the pathophysiology or the way that virus actually induces this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in kids is still being worked out. But the thought is that it's not an acute viral reaction. In other words, it's not those spikes on that coronavirus you've seen in the cartoons or in the drawings all throughout the last seven months that are affecting the tissues. It's the antibodies that are created after in response to that viral infection that are creating kind of an autoimmune uh, or immune-mediated, as it's called, response where you really are creating a situation where causing inflammation in the body. So it always happens four to eight weeks, you know, one to two months after um, the infection or even, uh, um, uh, I guess, confirmed exposure to COVID. So you have kids who never have any symptoms of COVID, but we're living, living with family members with COVID and have positive COVID illness in, 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 the, in the house, and then they show up with MISC in the ER or in the ICU setting. So, or they had a very mild illness and they were tested positive, and one or two months later, they present to the emergency room or to the hospital with this, uh, with these kinds of syndromes. So what are the things that parents should look for in their kids if there's a concern about an MIS, an MISC? MISC, first I'm going to talk about, you know, parents need to realize this is very rare. Right, I was going to get to the numbers afterwards. That's great. This is very rare, okay? Right now, I think the pediatric rate of acute COVID hospitalization, in other words, kids who get hospitalized with COVID, not MISC, is less, you know, it's like, eight per 100,000 uh, people in the population. So it's very, very, you know, for COVID. MIC is even less. Uh, as of September 17th, which is the last CDC reported data, it, I think there are 930 or so cases of MIC identified in the entire country, okay? So there's not, you know, 935, I think. Uh, out of those, 19 uh, are confirmed deaths from that. So it's very rare. But, but I will tell you that, you know, in any case, Anytime your child has had a history of COVID or exposed to someone with COVID and they have fever, you automatically got to think, could this be something that's a little more serious? Some of the most common presenting symptoms in MISC, we call it now, the pediatricians are calling it COVID belly, you know, is abdominal pain and GI symptoms, abdominal pain, vomiting, nausea, the kind of things you normally might mistake for something like appendicitis, when actually fever and belly pain and throwing up in in normal times and pre-COVID times. Uh, we think, hey, this person might have appendicitis, get an ultrasound and, and do what we need to do for appendicitis. Many cases, uh, this is really MISC presenting. There's actually quite a bit of evidence showing that, uh, or quite a few cases rather, not so much evidence, that the kids are getting appendectomies done in the surgical suite you know, for, for suspected appendicitis, and really what ends up happening is MISC. And they go back you know, in a post-surgical situation, they really have MISC and have a multi-system organ uh, situation. 
So, so I think this is great. I'm really glad you took it in this direction. Um, you know, part of the idea of the content uh, for the podcast we thought was what we're seeing this, this MISC, this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, MISC. Um, um, uh, it's being reported in the papers, uh, um, the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, which is a standard of, of, of uh, infectious disease and other diseases, uh, comes out and was talking about it. Um, so part of it is to let people know what it is and what to look for, but the reality is the reassurance that this is very, very, very unlikely for your child, even if the child has COVID or has COVID exposure. True, true. I bet, you know, I'll, I'll qualify that by saying in this day and age, uh, and I think this goes along with part of what we're, we're going to talk about, maybe you, whether yeah. now or another podcast you're going to discuss, don't delay care. If, you're, if yeah. there's a situation where you thought your kid, uh, something was off, they have a weird rash and fever, they have a headache and a fever. They have a fever and belly pain, something where you normally would have gone to see a physician, go see the physician. This is not a time where you want to delay care because aside from MISC, there's other things that obviously, you know, we're concerned about with the delay in care that many parents have been experiencing or, or many, uh, many patients have been uh, subject to because of the fear of, of getting COVID in the hospital setting. So yes, very rare. Uh, and, and by the way, it's very treatable. Uh, most of these kids end up in the ICU setting or, or a very closely monitored setting. Um, when they get really sick and, and most do very well with the right kind of uh, interventional support. Right. The, the death rates in children is very low, especially compared yeah. to uh, other populations and whatnot. So um, we talked about a little bit about COVID, COVID symptoms. Again, we, we had a podcast about that we discussed before. A little bit about this MISC, again, for the, uh, the, the, multi, um, the multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, because it's been in the press a little bit based on certain reports. Now let's talk about some of that public health type of discussion that you just meant. Let's talk about vaccinations. Um, you know, what, what, what would you recommend to the listeners? Because obviously vaccinations in children and adults are appropriate. They help prevent disease progression. Um, but people are kind of afraid, if you will, what, what, what's the current public policy and your, your, your recommendations regarding vaccinating children during the COVID uh, pandemic? Dr. Fialco, it's a great question. And as a practicing pediatric emergency physician, unfortunately, uh, I do see kind of the, the results of an under-vaccinated or non-vaccinated uh, situation. I say under-vaccinated because there's lots of thoughts about theories about how you can space out or skip certain vaccines, or I'll pick that one and, and not this one. Those diseases are still out there, okay? Uh, measles, uh, mumps, pertussis, especially in little kids. Uh, those are real diseases that cause significant mortality and morbidity. In other words, cause real severe illness and even sometimes death in kids. And unfortunately, uh, with the stay-at-home kind of lockdowns and with the real advice to stay away, from, stay from outdoors, and uh, people, uh, parents especially, have, have been become very cautious about going to the pediatrician. And I've seen a significant drop um, in the state of Florida, at least, and certainly across the country, in vaccine uh, rates. So April, just which is you know very at the very beginning of this of the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, saw a forty percent reduction in vaccinations compared to the year before in twenty nineteen. That's significant. Very scary. There's a lot of kids. Remember, most of the vaccinations are given within the first two years of life, which means you have a lot of kids whose immune system still and and they're not circulating in the, in, in the population. Think about kids who stay home and aren't even exposed to the regular school age, the uh, you know school environment or sports environment. So now they're going to go out and get exposed, and they're not really being protected. My advice is first and foremost, follow up immediately with your pediatrician, get your kids back on that schedule of routine vaccinations, get your flu shot this year. I'm sure that'll be a discussion. I think you had a, a nice event a couple of days ago discussing mm-hmm. this when, in a public forum. And, um, sure. It was very important. So we get the complications of flu in kids and uh, with COVID uh, combined would be pretty devastating. And uh, be on the lookout. 
for those situations um, where if your kid is under vaccinated or maybe you did avoid the pediatrician, you're on your way to getting um, back on that vaccine schedule, these diseases that are out there, measles, those outbreaks in 2018 and 2019, uh, pertussis, we have periodic outbreaks. We had it in Florida in, in 2014 and 15. That's whooping cough. Be on the lookout for symptoms that seem a little unusual and that you wouldn't normally see in a, in a regular kind of a, a cold or you know runny nose situation. So get yourself checked out. One of the things you mentioned early on is don't delay care. That could be both in terms of if your child has symptoms that are concerning, as well as the preventive type of care like the vaccines. And quite frankly, and you've, you've, you've seen this and I see this, especially in the Baptist system, the precautions that have been put in place, spacing, not allowing a lot of people in waiting rooms, division of, of, of um, um, wearing masks and protective equipment, hand washing. It's safe to visit your provider. It's safe to visit your doctor. It's more likely to get it from the community than you are actually in visiting a doctor. So yeah, don't delay that care. Use your use the Care and Demand uh, uh, app for the urgent care uh, uh, online urgent care. You can go to an urgent care. You can go to an ER, but but don't delay care if your child has symptoms and, and is sick. I think that's uh, probably the most important I, message. I'll tell you, I feel I feel safer at work in the ER than I do sometimes in public at certain situations, like you know, at the, in grocery stores and, and other other gatherings where I have to, I, I'm forced to yeah. go out in public. So well, we've actually shown that the rates of people getting sick in our health system and our offices and the hospitals is less than the average in the community. Yeah. Um, so it's it's actually quite true because of the precautions. Um, school school season, obviously kids are back in school. They're escalating that. Um, the concern with kids is obviously they can give it to each other. They can bring it to home. They can give it to the teachers. Where, what, where are you at in terms of um, precautions that should be taken for parents who are, who are sending their kids to school at this point? Well, I'm going to speak to you from a pediatrician perspective, but also from a parent of three, uh, three school-aged children. Um, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics is promoting the going back to school campaign. I'm involved in a, uh, a nationwide uh, group that discusses back to school um, uh, strategies. And the key here is that you have to do it right. So it really is very county and even school dependent on what kind of precautions you need to take. You're gonna have to take precautions. The school your, your children are going to or the school system has to have the right mitigation steps, you know, kind of preventative steps in, in place. Obviously, uh, de-densifying or decreasing the number of kids that are going any one time, the protective measures for the kids, mask wearing is probably, you know, the most effective we, thing we can do for our kids, you know, nose and mouth. And even though kids don't get as sick, we do, we are concerned about the teachers and of uh, the parents and the grandparents when they come back home, hand washing, those are really important. So if you do it right, I think, you know, as a community, I think we'll be okay. Are we going to prevent every single infection? There's no way. We don't, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to prevent everything. So, and knowing when your child is sick, you know, the, the real responsibility of parents and kids is to be honest with yourself and say, you know, I don't feel good today. Maybe it's just a plain old cold. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's something else. Let me stay home so I don't expose a whole bunch of other kids to this. And let me report this to my school nurse or whoever the administrator in school is so that we can, you know, they can take the right steps to make sure that they you know, protect the other people who you're exposed to. But really, mask wearing, the right protection, um, you know, kids need this. Kids need that social interaction. We're definitely going to see increase in rates of mental health illness, uh, social uh, social kind of uh, effects of anxiety and depression in kids who have not been exposed to their peers and these learning activities over the course of the last seven, eight months. And, um, you know, there's there's a real concern that there's a lot of social support that kids receive. There's, there's school lunches and school breakfast. There's counseling support. There's special ed. There's things that kids, that parents can't always 
uh, give at home and they really rely on the school system for that. So work with your school, be inquisitive, be an advocate for your kid's safety and participate in your kid's uh, uh, re-entry into the school. Agreed. And I appreciate that. Don't get complacent, you know, keep on these precaution and safety measures like washing and like distancing and, and mask wearing and stuff, but it doesn't mean we can't move forward. And, and again, I think you gave a great perspective as to um, that context. Well, look, um, for now, you're giving the great, great information, great update, both in terms of COVID, the, the risk in children and adolescents, again, this multi-system inflammatory syndrome, this MISC, which I think made some press, um, talked about the high risk populations, talked about the importance of vaccines. You hit all, you hit all my topics, man. I didn't have to prompt you. So I appreciate Appreciate that. We can talk. We can talk uh, football. We can talk basketball. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure we could. And unfortunately, I'm a fan of the New York sports team. So uh, the worst, the worst legacy I gave my children. So we don't want to get into that here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, thanks again. Any any final comments or anything you want to uh, really emphasize uh, other than um, what we've uh, what we've. Uh, you know, I, I think I think for pediatrics especially, this is this is just like adults, but really for pediatrics, you know, we want to get our kids back to what they were doing normally, uh, but we have it's going to be a little different for the next few months and ho- however long it's going to take, you know. Uh, but you know, realize that you know parents, and I always say this: moms know their kids best, so you trust your mother or father's intuition, your parental intuition. If you think something's off with your kid from an illness perspective. Get the care you need. Go to your pediatrician. Go to the pediatric ER Baptist Children's Emergency Center. We're here for you 24-7. We can help you and alleviate any of those, alleviate any of those concerns uh, that you have about COVID or any other illness. And, you know, certainly, uh, you know, in terms of getting back to everything, uh, you know, just heed, heed the, 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 I guess, the, the advice of, of your local public health officials. Keep that mask wearing up and you know, teach the kids well. We'll be okay. That's great. And again, they can go to the pediatrician. They can download the Care and Demand app at 24-7 Tele-Urgent Care. They can go to an urgent care. We can go to the emergency room. Don't ignore your children's symptoms. Thank, thank, thank you. Thanks again. Um, and thanks for listening to our podcast um, um, listeners. Uh, at this point, I'd like to publicly give a long overdue thanks to my producer, Carol Higgins, and our, my sound technician, Steve Pipo. At this, in this time of virtual discussions like this podcast, they've had to deal with Thunderclaps, dogs barking, my absentmindedly uh, clicking my pen, and somehow they all make it sound good and ensure that I make sense. So thanks to you guys. Um, as usual, listeners, any thoughts, concerns, ideas for future podcasts, please email us Baptist Health Talk at Baptist Health Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. That's email us at Baptist Health Talk, one word, at BaptistHealth.net. Stay safe, mask up. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.